Looks like we are fired up. I'm going to give it a second. I'm going to check out the, what's I'm going to call it as well. Make sure it sounds good. Voice chat, my mic, I bump you guys up. What bump you want? Hold up. Can you speak for me, Gabe? I am speaking for you, Mr. Hakobo. This is a mic check. Would anybody named Michael in the room please stand up? All right. Sounds good. Uh, let me go ahead and skip the multi-stream stuff. All right. Man, what a nice sleepy Sunday I'm having. I'm not going to lie, man. Yeah, nice uh, nice laid back. Yeah, chillin'. Chill one. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, about a minute. Okay, well. Everything's looking all right. Cool beans. Are you ready? Me? Yes. Yeah, I guess so. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids Podcast, episode numbered 174. 174. And Gabe, you were wondering for the silence because I was playing the actual intro. That's why. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I played that, and it's about 25 seconds long, as you know. So that's why the extended silence happened. Hopefully, it wasn't cut off too bad while you're talking, but that's okay. No big deal. But we are back on what I would say is a beautiful, beautiful uh sunday afternoon on the south side of chicago illinois and we are back for our halloween episode and halloween in multiple ways obviously we will talk about the nitty-gritty on that relatively soon but uh like i said it's been about a month maybe a little under a month since our last pod and uh, we got a little bit of an agenda but uh first and foremost we're gonna go ahead and get into what we normally talk about and uh, that's how you've been uh, I've been all right, man. Really, really sort of busy past couple of weeks. As you know, I've been working and filming and mm-hmm. doing all sorts of things. But it's fun. It's a blast. It just takes up time. Absolutely. Do you have any projects that you want to talk about at the moment, or are you going to save that for a little bit later for the pod? Uh, yeah, I can mention some of them. Some of them. Sure. Oh, boy. <laughs> I can't English right now. Okay. Uh, I am the next, like, certified thing that's locked in is the Gold Show in December. Mm-hmm. And then I am running the Great American Ghost Signs of the Swarm Fit for an Autopsy show sure. in January at Reggie's. That'll be nice and nasty. Close, too. Not as much of a drive. <laughs> yeah. And um, and the Gulch one is at the bottom lounge. Very so cool. That'll be nice and easy. And then I am actually may or may not be returning to Ohio for another show in January. But 
I know I mentioned to you in an interview I want to do. I, I don't want to quite give that away until it's like locked in and sort of edited. Cool. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah. What is the name of your YouTube channel so people can find you? Yeah, absolutely. It's Photos by Jabril. So Photos, B-Y-J-A-H-B-R-E-A-L. Mm-hmm. I have Silent Planet, Motives, and uh, Blossom Reynolds up so far. Mm-hmm. And more content will come as uh, as we sort of record it. That's that's good stuff, man. Excellent. I am glad that you have found another little project, a little side project for yourself. And uh, yeah, it seems like you're having fun doing it. So that's 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 good. Uh, as far as me, more of the same. I actually recently launched my YouTube channel. Uh, been doing a uh, playthrough of um, what's gonna call it? Oh my god, No Man's Sky. Um, I'm actually gonna get back into it. I do have one more episode that I haven't fired away, but I'll. But between my birthday, the White Sox playoffs, uh, a lot of extra shit going on. Haven't really had the time to even live stream. I'm sure people on Twitch have noticed. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and check it out. YouTube, Brilliant Villain. Uh, it's also the same as my Twitch name, so it is what it is. But um, yeah, man, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, a lot of different uh, things to uh, to do. And it's all good stuff, all in good fun. Uh, but I believe this was on, this note is it was on the agenda at the last podcast, right? So I could delete this. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about that. Yes, so we did. Excellent. It's the Mario movie that everybody seems to hate. Yes, yeah. anybody was wondering. No, not the Mario movie. I'm talking about the note. Uh, oh, how do you want? Even see the note. How do you want to go? I believe it was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we, yeah we talked uh, about yeah. that. So let's talk about the Mario movie that everybody hates. Okay, so actually, this is away. this is not uh, the Mario movie that everybody hates. This is the new Mario movie. So uh, that everybody is going to hate that everybody, the one that everybody is going to hate. So uh, let me go ahead and kind of pull up the cast here because I don't think the cast itself is particularly bad, but um, it's going to be interesting um, because it's a Mario movie and I don't necessarily know if we needed one, uh, but I'm going to get it pulled up. Um, I think what's going on here is that, um, sort of nintendo saw the success of the sonic movie yeah and um and video game movies are coming back you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that's usually how it starts you have one very good very solidly received film happen mm-hmm. and then suddenly this idea that's been dead in the ditches since 2008 mm-hmm. goes huh, well maybe maybe we can resurrect this cash cow for you sure know? for sure and I'll, I'll kick us off i'll start with saying the only like two cast members i'm about it's seth rogan as donkey kong and uh danny devito as who's he playing again i actually don't see danny devito on this list oh that might have been a meme then <laughs> yeah you wanted danny devito to be waluigi that that yeah that was the meme yeah the... there we go so it's chris pratt as mario charlie yeah. day as luigi i don't mind that yeah, that's actually a good that's bit. not bad yeah jack black i you know as bowser jack black can be sort of in anything and we'll still love him true um and, you know, Seth Rogen, Fred Armisen, a couple of other notable names here. But I don't know, man. I, I don't know if Chris Pratt's, like, a good fit. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, like, I mean, is he going to sound like Mario or is like he going to so- sound like Chris Pratt, you know? <laughs> That's kind of the, I, um, the thing. You know, it's one of those things where if you look at it, you're like, okay, I kind of see why. Because the goofiness. Mm-hmm maybe lines up with what they want to do with the film but my whole thing is that mario's always had this super distinct vocal sound you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. and they should have brought back i i don't remember the actor's name but the dude who did the the og mario movie he's dead i mean 
Yeah, they should have resurrected him, not this cash cow. But um, I, I'm good with these quips today, man. Yeah. I had my coffee this morning. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I got mixed feelings about it because the Sonic movie did well for... Mm-hmm. For what it was. For what it was. And it was a fun movie. I'm not yeah. going to sit here and talk shit about it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's uh, At the end of the day, um, you and I grew up with Sonic. Yep. And some of these kids growing up right now didn't. And yeah. it's just the fact. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things yep. where we were talking about... Um, what was it Jason X the other day yeah. where uh, New Line Cinema was like, oh, well, we're going to have a 10-year gap between Jason Goes to Hell and Freddy versus Jason. Like, there's going to be a generation of kids who aren't afraid of Jason, so we got to release Jason and Spacen. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah. here's my thing, man. The Sonic movie did well because they took the criticism from the fans and they fixed and tweaked and mm-hmm. revamped and it was a movie that was delayed on more than one occasion, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it was worth the wait. I think it made its money back however many fold, and, you know, like I mentioned, at the end of the day, it got very solid reception. For and sure. That's because when you have backlash from your core audience, you should really sit down and be like, do we screw our core audience and try and market towards the newer generation that probably already doesn't even care enough to see your movie, or do we sort of try and cater towards the OGs but yet still try and bring in that new group. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, Mario, Mario, unlike Sonic, I think Mario has kind of stayed in the limelight consistently. Uh, I mean, Nintendo. Yeah. yeah uh, has stayed, you know, uh, kind of out there. And, you know, there's different uh, phases of Mario for different childhoods. You know, I think you and I, it's very obvious that we grew up in the kind of the N64, Super Mario 64 kind of era but you know subsequently they've had you know the paper marios they've had obviously the many uh, the cart games the odyssey is kind of the big one the odyssey the galaxy games you know for uh the generation just after us so uh i think if anything in that regard it might have a better chance of maybe being a hit than um uh, most video game movies because mario has stayed relevant um you know basically since he was uh dodging barrels from donkey kong uh, but, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I'm not entirely sure about this cast. Um, like I said, there, there is a couple of choices that I liked, but, um, you know, I, I don't know, mixed feelings about it overall. I think, um, video game movies, and I, we've talked about this, have kind of gotten a bad rap because for the most part, they aren't particularly executed very well. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. I, I know it's going to be quite, uh, a long ways away from this being completed, uh, it's being done by Illuminations, which are the same people who do like the Minion movies and Despicable Me and stuff like that. So obviously the animation itself, I think, would be quality. I think that's fair to say. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. And as long as they're showing, you know, the proper care for the character, uh, I think it'll be all right. But you never know. You know, you never know what these things. Is it a cash grab? Well, obviously, to a certain extent it is. Otherwise, it wouldn't be made. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't want to condemn it. Uh, and I guess we'll have to wait and see how what, what happens, you know? You know it would be absolutely hilarious? Was that? If they made a game based off this movie. Yeah, right? Mario Goes to Hollywood yeah. or something like that. Mario Hollywood. No, like just in general, if they made a Mario game, you know what I mean, for this weird one-off movie. Yeah. Yeah, it would <laughs> um, be kind of funny. Yeah, I, I feel like video game movies also get a bad rap because when you said like, oh, you know, or I'm um, sorry, movie video game tie-ins mm-hmm. the other way around. Yeah. So, um, it, it's one of those things where we'll see, you know, like when we f- saw that first Sonic trailer, I think you and I were very much like, well, uh, the OG Sega fans are going to hate you. Yep. And, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm sure there were some haters out there, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, 
reception was generally positive. Yeah, we definitely, I definitely enjoyed it. I saw it and I liked it quite a bit. So, um, yeah, man, uh, we'll have to wait and see what, what the, what the, the prognosis is on this. And, uh, obviously maybe wait for that first initial trailer and, uh, we're going to go ahead and go from there. So, uh, a lot of movie reviews on here. Uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and move into Shang-Chi. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and cover it real quick. Uh, basically it is Marvel goes Kung Fu. And I like it, you know, uh, they probably one of the better introductions to a new character, which is, I don't know, it's been a while, I think, since we've had like a new character movie, right? I think so. Uh, yeah, new character uh, opening up kind of a different branch of, um, kind of the, the, the Marvel playbook here, opened up a new, a new page, so to speak, with kind of like mystic arcs kind of a deal. Uh, I know Doctor Strange kind of dabbles, but, um, yeah, so more, more of that. Uh, good villain. I would say probably one of the more recognizable villains, uh, for a standalone Marvel film, uh, which, you know, I think, uh, Loki probably is the only standout when it comes to those movies and maybe Killmonger in, in the Black Panther movie. But, um, but yeah, he definitely stood out, uh, tied in some loose ends from other previous failed Marvel, uh, what's the one I'm looking for? Maybe, influence or cameo as from as you know a different character it's just kind of interesting to me but yeah i would say overall i definitely enjoyed the film it was very, there were some moments where i audibly said wow that was pretty cool uh and i think the more i think most casual fans will enjoy it as well and i'm kind of excited to where we're going next with the marvel thing so shang chi b plus pretty pretty cool so uh you know i i actually heard quite a couple of people saying that it might be the best marvel movie ever and i you know, like my whole thing is, um, <laughs> my my whole thing is, I, I don't know if the Marvel train is just absolutely guffawed at like just the sort of new phase that's coming out. You know, because it's a little bit differently, like tempoed and, and structured, and you know they're trying out new things, right? Mm, absolutely. But but I feel like the general reception for Shang Chi was like you you have to see it. Yeah. Like not for continuity reasons, but because it's for a good movie reason. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'm glad you enjoyed it because that is uh, on my list. Cool. I'm glad because, uh, yeah, I think me and Scott was like, yeah, it was really cool. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's kind of, um, you know, because I, I would think out of all the, the Marvel movies, especially recently, I would say throughout it's the least tied in to other Marvel projects. Uh, obviously a post credit kind of opens the door for it to be tied in with other things. But I think so far, like I said, as a true, a true standalone, um, I think it was pretty good. So definitely check it out. Awesome sauce. What's up next on the agenda? Uh, well, I believe you put this here. AMC thrills and chills was on here. AMC thrills and chills. Did I put this on here? I believe so. Uh, let me, let me Google it really quick. Okay. So, <laughs> cause it, you know, it's, it's yeah. been a while. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh so thrills and thrills and chills is a thing that they're doing where every Wednesday they show a, um, uh, horror movie, Jesus Christ, or a spooky movie. Okay. Um, and it looks like it's going through the end of October. Okay. So, uh, some of these are like $5 favorites. Like we have Ghostbusters, see it back in theaters. Okay. Uh, Halloween Kills, the new one, obviously, which we'll get into. Antlers, um, Last so Night good. in Soho, Scream. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's 2022. But it looks like they're looking or they have built a specific, like, catering towards the horror market because it has its own, like, you Name. know, web page, yeah. right? And then there's a Come If You Dare section. So 
it gives you just a it's a five bucks on like a wednesday mm-hmm. uh or friday or whatever it may be right october 22nd is a friday i believe if i'm not mistaken. yeah so it's friday nights cool it's five dollars and it's a mystery movie the only ah, thing heard they this. give okay. you is, yeah, yeah. is it's rating and it's time yeah i've heard about this and it looks like these are pretty pretty solidly rated r just looking through it yeah 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 well, I mean, what's your take on that? Uh, I think it's uh, definitely an untapped market. Because um, I saw uh, the Fathom events. They were doing, I think, Wolfman and the Invisible Man back-to-back on a Fathom event. I'm like, well, that's brilliant. Why are we not doing more of this during Halloween? Like, these things should be – these theaters should just be packed with retro, modern-ish uh, horror movies that they could kind of license off and – make a quick buck on them i do like the idea of going in the kind of for a kind of a mystery film it um maybe kind of harkens back to some of that old grindhouse stuff where you were just watching a movie and all you knew was like the name <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah and then you're like i know there's gonna be blood but that's about it yeah just that's just about it you know they, they, they give you a name of it and you, you obviously haven't seen a trailer it's not like trailers are rarely available and even if they were for these style of movies you know um they don't necessarily uh, lend themselves to getting like big budget trailers for it. So I do love this idea. Um, I'm surprised it's taken them this long to kind of capitalize on this market. Yeah, I, um, you know, October is is the season for it, and mm-hmm. I'm glad they're coming up with nice, cool ideas. I think it wouldn't even be a bad idea to do like a Christmas version in December, where yeah. every like Friday night, like, hey, we're screening a random, you know. Um, Christmassy movie mm-hmm. like Polar Express, Guardians, mm-hmm. like whatever the fuck it may be. Yeah, yeah, for, hard. for sure. Yeah, right, for sure. So, yeah, I'm about it, man. It's a, so it's like I said. I think uh, it's one of those initiatives that are put into place to try to get people back into the theater. Um, Which is kind of funny because you think that they'd be swarming the theater now that they're like slowly reopening. Well, I think there's still that general population being afraid uh, to go. Uh, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I've been to the theater quite a bit. Uh, responsibly, obviously, but, um, yeah. yeah, I get it. It's also, it's also a convenience thing at the end of the day. For sure. You know what I mean? Cause we, we live streamed a couple of concerts here at my place and it's like, it's just nice getting one ticket and having like your buddies come over, get some pizza, get some beer and, you know, just watch obviously not the same experience. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to attest to that, mm-hmm. but if you're, you know, not looking to throw hands and you're just looking to kick back and maybe throw something on the screen and bullshit. Yeah. Perfect. For sure. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I, I'm totally cool with it. Um, what uh, was kind of in, in the same vein? What classic horror movie would you love to see on the big screen that you haven't on seen? The big screen? Yeah, that you haven't seen. That I haven't seen. Period, or haven't seen on the big. Haven't screen? seen. Haven't seen on the big screen. Dude, uh, Freddy versus Jason would be killer. I know that's not particularly a classic, but I just, I don't know. I feel like it'd be a really good sort of thing to throw out there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you knew it was airing and you got tickets for it, it's because you're a fan of the movie. So I mm-hmm. feel like the atmosphere would just overall just be like super like everybody's about it. For sure. For sure. Whether you like it unironically or you think it's a terrible <laughs> movie and you're just there to watch it. Like, mm-hmm. I just think the vibes would be good. Other than that though, I know it's not really a horror movie, but like the first two mummy films back to back in theaters. That would oh. banger. That would be a banger. Well, yeah. that first mummy when we had some moments where it was pretty scary. It, it was spooky. I'll yeah. That. I think it's more of a, thriller action at the end of the day yeah, you know yeah. What i mean yeah I, I could see that for sure but yeah those two back-to-back in theaters like i wouldn't even think twice man yeah that's a that's kind of a, a, an interesting question because i think 
I, w- I want to be able to pretend like I'm hardcore and say The Exorcist, but I'm running out that bitch. I'm being honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially with, um, you know, with the sound system yeah. there, like you're, you're donezo. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. What would it be? There's a-, a lot of good contenders for it, though. So I, I really feel like it's do you want to watch something that you maybe saw once or twice mm-hmm. and you were like this, you know, I should have went to the theaters and see this. Or do you want to watch something that you've seen a hundred times and you're like. I would love to see this on the big screen. Let's, you know throw, I mean? let's throw popcorn at the screen type shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, so I, yeah. I don't know. There's, I feel like there's very few wrong answers for this. For sure. I I, I agree with that. Kind of cool. Like I said, good for AMC for trying to get people back in theaters and do what they got to do to get them there. I'm with it. I'm with it. Talk about speaking about theaters. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, the British. I don't know how they came up. Yeah, but talk to know. me about uh, Bond, James Bond. So uh, obviously uh, – the much delayed <laughs> uh, James Bond No Time to Die has released. Um, have you seen this yet? No, I, I am planning to see it, though, so please, spoiler free. Yeah, you. I'm going to keep it spoiler free uh, for my, my partner's sake. Um, basically, uh, you know you know the scenario. James Bond has found a life for himself, and he's moved on. Uh, but much like The Godfather, just when he thought he was out... He gets pulled back in, and uh, the scenario of that, of how it kind of happens, is very thrilling, but also to much personal sacrifice. This is a Bond who has nothing left to lose, which also could have been named the name for the goddamn movie, now I think about it. Um, it is two hours and 40 minutes, so it is quite the longer film. It is the longest Bond film, yeah. period. Yeah, it is quite the longer film, uh, just in general, because 240 is it's not a joke, you know, uh, it's nothing to sneeze at. Um and in two hours and 40 minutes, I believe, this is my opinion, obviously, this everything on this podcast is opinion. Um, it is one of the, it is one of the best James Bond movies ever made. Period. Uh, period. Uh, now people are going to have their preferences, right? I mean, I, I love Casino Royale. You love Skyfall. Uh, I think we both enjoy both of them, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I'd say I'd even argue that we both love both. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it just comes down to personal preference. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I you know I fell in love with this James Bond character in Casino Royale. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't, I believe it's just kind of general. The populace believes that Daniel Craig is the best James Bond uh, of all time, and unlike other Bonds, all his movies seem to have a theme that they all tie it together. Uh, they don't really stand alone. It's kind of this long, fi- at this point, five movie arc uh, that has concluded. Uh, this is, you know, he, he's announced that this is his final bond. And um, it tells a wonderful story, man, about a guy who is nothing left to lose, uh, about a guy who is um, that we care about deeply. Because at the end of the day, you know, Bond's always been in kind of a, on top of the world, right? You, you feel like he has the girls, he has the cars, the gadgets, and he's kind of this super bet mega badass. And up until Bond's, I think we haven't really, or until Daniel Craig's, we haven't really had the opportunity to feel bad for this character, right? What's there to feel bad about? The guy's awesome, right? Um, to me, you know, all you, you want to see is this character right off into the sunset happy, right? And, uh, cause I think he's earned that. And for one reason or another, it just doesn't seem to work out for him. You know, even like going back to Casino Royale, right? The guy is very quick to give up his life to, you know, live happily ever after with this woman that he loves. And uh, there are some things that this man has to tackle with uh, throughout. Um, I love, uh, I forget her name, but her name, uh, she plays Matt, the Madeline character. Uh, I love her as 
kind of the lead Bond girl in this film. Um, it's just to me, um, it was just such a great story. It, it's almost like the situation is the villain. Now, not to take away from Rami Malek because he was good. You know, obviously he's a, he was a pretty good Bond character. Uh, is he on the same level as Mads Mikkelsen or Javier Bardem? No. Um, but to me, it's more so uh, Von, Bond wrestling with himself. That's the villain for this man particular. versus self. Man versus self. Uh, a man who uh, who has obviously has some extreme, extreme trust issues, and um, like I said, just no matter what, gets pulled back into this world. And at this point, you could really tell that he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> you know, like he, he just doesn't he doesn't want to be going through this. Uh, but for whatever reason or another, you know, he's just drawn back into the world. Uh, there's quite a few emotional moments uh, in this film. Um, by the end, I was in tears, bro. I, I had tears going down my face because it was just it was just so beautifully done, and um, just a great way to send off the greatest Bond of all time. So definitely, definitely worth checking out. Uh, they had some absolutely fantastic action scenes. There's this um, there's this scene, uh, and I'm, again, no spoilers, but there's a scene where he he's going up like a spiral staircase, and it is just fucking mind melting. Uh, how awesome! He is, you know, it's it was kind of like a greatest hits in that regard. He the dude was just absolutely ridiculous. So definitely check it out. Um, if you're a, a fan of Daniel Craig Bond, it's just it's, necess- it's necessary. You have to watch it. And um, awesome sauce. Yeah. So to me, it is an A minus, um, just because how awesome it was and how important this particular Bond is to me. And it, I'm super curious on the, the steps that they take. Moving forward with uh, the 007 universe. Um, yeah. Uh, so here's a quick question for you. Did you like it better than Casino Royale? Ah, oh, man. Because um, that's arguably like your favorite Bond yeah, game, right? Yeah. Um, it's kind of. Well, is it on par with it? I would say it's on par. It's just a different type of movie, you know? Because um, I would say Casino Royale is the kind of. the character introduction. Yeah. It's more of a traditional kind of Bond. You know, um, yeah. ah, it's it's hard to say. Uh, sure, I better. Mean, the, I'm sure the plot beats and story arcs are wildly different. Very from, different. You know, five movies worth. Yeah, it's it's a very different. It's a much more mature Bond uh, than Casino Royale. Even even honestly, dude, honest, it's more mature than Skyfall. Um, just kind of tackling with this character that doesn't really have a whole lot of depth. Historically, Bond doesn't have a ton of depth, right? Um, yeah. Like I said, he's just kind of this mega badass who gets all the girls and stuff. Uh, he's not that in this movie. And um, like I said, you feel for him. You understand him. And um, yeah, man, it's just, it, it was, it was really, really good, man. You, you absolutely have to check it out. Um, <laughs> Cause I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, to talk about it without discussing the ending, but um, definitely check it out. Very, very cool. Uh, I loved it. Uh, might be my favorite movie this year um, because of the wonderful send-off that we got. So, awesome. de- yeah, definitely check it out. It is an A-. Uh, and thank God for D- uh, Daniel Craig James Bond is all I'm going to say. It was a good run of, Absolutely. what, 15 years? Yep. By far the, the best Bond run ever. <laughs> Hang on. I'll, I'll, let's see when Casino Royale came out. 2006. So six years, yeah. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, 15. Yeah, 15 years. Yep. Um, just phenomenal. Fantastic. Uh, oh, actually, before I continue, um, Ana de Armas is in this movie, right? 
um, and she played. I just love her. She's fantastic. Number one, she is stunningly gorgeous in this movie. She's not in it for very long, uh, but she is stunningly beautiful, and I want to see more with that character moving forward. That's all I'm going to say. Gotcha. Okay, so quick little tidbit. Um, Roger Moore was in seven Bond films from 73 to 85, but mm-hmm. if you look at simply um, like year-wise, Daniel Craig served more as James Bond than yeah. Roger Moore. Yeah. Not movie-wise, obviously, but... Actually, I'm curious to see what the hours stack up like because this like, one being three hours, Skyfall being like two you know, and twenty, eight. yeah, two and twenty, I think. So, well, what the yeah, we have to pull up and figure that out. Think about it. Yeah, well, we got to do some maths for sure. Lazenby was the shortest Bond. Okay, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one one movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, what is up next? Let's see. Halloween <laughs> six rewrite. Okay, so I'm gonna give the the, the context for this. Um, you rewrote the film, mm-hmm. um, and then you watched the new one, <laughs> and then yet you, you had to scrap up your paper and toss it out. Yeah, it was a very plot similar plot. Yeah, very similar remake. So, um, should we just do the Halloween Kills review first, and then we'll kind of talk about my differences that I had? Yeah, you, you mind if I start off? Sure, absolutely. Halloween Kills is the highly anticipated sequel to Halloween, not to be confused with the OG Halloween, not to be confused with the 2007 Rob Zombie Halloween, Mm -hmm. not to be confused with any of the other movies simply titled Halloween the series. Mm -hmm. The Halloween 2018 is the one I'm referencing here, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, Kills is the one that you're referencing. Right. Well, it's a sequel to Halloween 2018. 2018. Yeah. Anyhow, I'm getting way too confuzzled here. (laughs) Halloween Kills is a movie that returns to its roots. If you are looking for a good, fun gore fest with some solid kills and sort of minimal bullshit to keep you back Mm -hmm. from that fast-paced action, this is the movie for you. Now, when I say... When I usually say it returns to its roots, that's usually a good thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily the best thing for this uh, McBride run of films, um, and my sort of issue with it, it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. It's a good watch. And it's a phenomenal film when you have, like, friends over yeah, it, right? Yeah, for sure. My my biggest gripe with this film, and, I, you know, it took me a couple of days to sort of materialize it into thought, is that at the end of the day, um, when when Ease and I were driving home from your house after watching the movie, I said, at the end of the day, this movie is not going to matter whatsoever in this trilogy. Because it's going to be the 2018 was a phenomenal, like, soft reboot, phenomenal setup. And then the ending, like, you know, you can't boof the ending. And if you do, nobody's going to like Halloween again anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And this movie, this movie's only purpose is to fill the gap. Yeah. In my opinion. And for some, that's perfectly fine. You know, some have the expectation of Halloween and Michael Myers to be, I don't give a shit who he is. I don't give a shit if he's material or spiritual, whatever it is, right? I just want to see the blood splatter. I want to feel like I'm in the 80s again. And Mm -hmm. if you're of that vein, you're going to love it. Um, Me personally, I thought, like I said, I thought it was fun. I thought it was uh, an okay watch. But at the end of the day, it really sort of bugs me that the takeaway from this film is absolutely nothing. And you sort of said it the best. There is no plot. It is stay away from the killer. And, you know, some would argue that that is a plot, but (laughs) considering what the first one brought to the table, this is not a plot. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, shit, dude, it's a solid C. C plus for me. Okay, that's fair. 
Uh, cause I, I, I think honestly, I, I don't know if you've read any reviews or listened to any videos. It, it is so incredibly split. <laughs> like people are calling it one of the worst movies they've ever seen. I'm like, have you seen Rob, Rob Zombie's H2? Some people are calling it as one of the better Halloween movies ever made. Uh, I'm going to break it down to my, basically the audience here and say a couple of things. I've seen this movie twice. All right. Uh, I saw it at the theaters and I watched it with you guys. Um, to me, in a lot of ways, it's the direct opposite of the previous uh, Halloween movie, of the 2018 version. Because the 2018 version was so thick with character development and plot. Uh, yes, it had kills, but a lot of those kills were off screen. Uh, and it didn't really show um, the violence of Michael Myers, right? He was still very scary in the 2018 version he he was still very scary very intimidating very menacing and you could kind of always feel his presence throughout the film but i argue that the 2018 version was more of a simplified back to basics um version of mike it was very similar to um the 1978 version of it right um the kind of keeping the story simple uh deleting a lot of uh unnecessary lore <laughs> uh with with kills um, like I said, plot very minimal. All right. And I think in a situation where, um, an event like this would happen, I do believe that this kind of mob mentality would start to fester and panic would definitely set in. Um, uh, which is exactly what happened. Now, uh, I do have, like I said, very far from a perfect film. I loved it, but it's not a perfect film by any means necessary. And I could kind of make that distinction. Um, there's a lot of um, legacy characters that were brought back just for the sake of having them back. Um, not even for plot reasons, like just to be a body, you know, in the middle of all of it. Uh, I'm going to try to keep things vague because I don't really want to discuss spoilers. Want to discuss spoilers? Are we doing spoilers? Nah. Okay, cool. Um, and to me, th- this was more of like an epilogue to the first film. That's the kind of how I'm looking at it. Um, because... They took Michael, who, again, who was very menacing in the first one, and just probably dialed that to 11. He is the most violent <laughs> he has ever been, uh, the most menacing, the most scary he has ever been, uh, just due to the fact that this dude was stacking bodies everywhere, dude. And like, and I like how um, ultimately they're basically told us, you know, Laurie, you don't really matter to him. <laughs> you know, uh, you're not important to Michael. Michael is a killing machine, and he is an apex predator. And I think you meant you mentioned that before. He is a predator first and foremost at that very first uh, in the 2018 review that we did, and this kind of drives that home. Um, I did enjoy a lot of the kills, uh, and uh, I, I just like how cool they made him. How, how violent the mask was beautiful uh, with the burns on it. Um, I liked the, the flashback stuff that they showed us. I thought that was kind of cool and added some uh, context to it. Um, I liked it a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. But again, if you're looking for the most plot heavy Halloween movie, this ain't it. And ultimately, it is an incomplete vision because we have one more to go. And that's the one coming out next year. Now, considering how everything went, I'm kind of curious on how they're going to wrap it up. Yeah, how they're going to back out of the kind of parking spot they put themselves in. Because from what I understand, uh, the next film is supposed to have a, a time gap. It's supposed to line up with the year that it comes out with. So that's a four-year gap in the timeline. And uh, I'm curious on how they're going to get out of the situation that they put themselves in. 
Uh, yeah. So but my biggest thing was that I thought the whole mob mentality bit was genius, right? Mm-hmm. But the issue is that I felt like it was so ham-fisted. Mm-hmm. Like the directors thought we were straight up stupid. If you have to give the answer, like maybe we're the monsters, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And yep. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like, come on, like do not assume the intelligence level of your audience. And personally, personally, if I wrote that movie, I would have leaned into that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would have like that would have been like B plot for sure. Yeah. Where, you know, and the setup for that was there and it was actually done very, very well. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of you, you finish up B plot halfway through the film. Yeah, the, 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 like you said, the delivery was very ham fisted and basically, uh, I don't, I, I, that's a complaint I'm seeing across the board is that a lot of people are saying it's like, it's treating us as if we're not fans of this franchise, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of I, like there's a lot of exposition and a lot of people explaining us things that happened. Like, bro, we're we're fans of this franchise. We know, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we we know who Tommy Doyle is. We know who who Lani is. We know who Marion Chambers is. We know who Lindsay Wallace is. You don't. And like that whole scene where they introduce these characters again back to the fray, it's like breaking it down for us, like beat by beat, who these people are. Bro, we know, you know. Um, the one character that I did have problems with was the Tommy Doyle character. Uh, I, fe- I felt like um, they fed him Dr. Loomis lines and it was... Try to fill that gap. Yeah, try to fill that gap with the Tommy Doyle character. And ultimately, Tommy Doyle is just as dumb as every other person in this movie. You know? Like, yeah. Um, and there's, you know, like it's just a severe lack of like awareness from the character standpoint. Like, like I said, there's a particular character who's like, I got to do this on my own. It's like, why? <laughs> like, the, the, the dude's stacking bodies everywhere he's been. Why do you have to do this on your own? You're asking to die. And um, it, it's a little unnecessary. Um, I would have made the mob mentality smarter, like you said. Uh, kind of adding that to be kind of the main driving point of the film. And um, they, they kind you, of... You know what it should have been? B-plot should have been following to the locations of a plot, but B plot arrives like, you know, half an hour after all the, all the shit happens. Mm -hmm. And then the mob further encourages and propagates that sort of mentality. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, a plot and B plot merge. Michael does the thing to, you know, not Michael. Yeah. And then they witness that they were wrong. Yeah, They were wrong the whole time. And then now you you can wrap it up the same exact way. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like same exact way. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, Except I, you just have a bigger crowd. That's that's literally the only difference. But yeah. Like, but treating those two storylines as equal. Yeah. Was my gripe in this film because it really felt like a throwaway padding bit at the end. Like I said, because you get the wrap of a B plot halfway through the yeah, film. But like, there's still like an hour it's clearly left. Clearly not as important. Yeah. There's still like an hour left of the movie after that plot so, wraps. I, and, I, and, I, I know, totally I, agree, bro. I totally agree I, with that. I, you know, and, and I feel like, don't get me wrong, it sounds like I'm totally roasting this movie, but simply because I'm saying here, like, bro, like, there should have been small changes, right? Mm-hmm. It's still a testament to, to how, I don't want to say how good it is, but how, like, we'll say how, how thought out yeah. this was. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. like, I could sit here and I could be like, no, this whole script needs a rewrite. But all I'm saying is y- you should have timed things a little bit better. You I should agree. have spread them out. Yep. I agree. Yeah, it's just, you know, oh. 
there's just like like I said, like a lot of slashers that has a lot of character stupidity. Now, with that being said, um, I'm kind of going to close out the, the review is that near the end of this movie, uh, where kind of this uh, mob storyline comes to its apex, uh, there's probably one of the coolest moments in all of Halloween history is with Michael on that mask. So, um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, I'm going cl- probably closer to the B plus category. Um, it's definitely on the higher end of the sequels for me. Uh, now, granted, that's a pretty low bar, uh, because half of the Halloween movies are bad, even though I love them anyways. Um, but I liked it quite a bit. I'm really excited to see where they go next. So next year, same deal. We'll be back. So good stuff, awesome man. Awesome sauce. Let's get into other things that are back. The Batman. Well, hold on. Uh, hold on. Hold yeah. on. We got to do the rewrite thing, right? Oh, uh, right, right, right. We got we to gotta bring it back full circle. So I guess go as deep as you like into your rewrite, but the plot of Halloween Kills was 90% of your story. It, it, yeah, it is very close. So um, ultimately, and it's on the screen for my, uh, my Twitch stream here, uh, but this movie will take place directly after five. Okay. Uh, so Jamie's alone in the van, surrounded by the bodies of dead cops, essentially, right? She hears a van drive off, presumably with Michael in it. Swarm of ambulances arrive, or swarm of ambulances arrive at that, the police department. La la la, they find Jamie, all that good stuff. So basically, um, I'm taking the Tommy Doyle character and making him the man in black. Um, basically, he, because of the lack of awareness <laughs> of the Haddonfield kind of, leadership that they continue to allow people to celebrate Halloween regardless of what Michael does basically Tommy Doyle has lost his mind and said fuck it uh, he kind of found a group of people who kind of worship Michael Myers in a, in a sense uh, you know and these idiots have disguised themselves as Michael throughout the, the, the franchise up to this point including that moment in it for uh, they kind of believe that Michael is kind of the bringer of the apocalypse and basically going to bring Haddonfield to its knees, which is what we saw a lot of. Um, so basically a lot of this movie in an ironic turn of events is spent uh, as far as the main characters like Jamie and Loomis will be spent at the hospital after the event of the first one or the fifth one rather. Um, and basically this mob is starting to form outside of the hospital to basically bring Michael to his knees and, uh, Tommy Doyle's character is kind of the, the double agent in that regard, right? Um, so this cult of Michael Myers is like basically ransacking this town and making it very, um, weak. And Michael is bulldozing people to the ground as he's looking for his niece. So this is obviously, I, I had some things that I had to deal with when it comes to the familial genocide or the fam- familicide situation that has to stay because that's in canon at this point. Um, and, um, like I said, this mob is starting to take over the town of Haddonfield. You know, we have like National Guard trying to break in and combating this cult as things start to take place. Um, Michael arrives at the hospital, basically this big showdown. Tommy Doyle kills Lindsay Wallace, who's also in the film. Uh, he kills Loomis. Um, Tommy basically says, Jamie's here. Go get her. Uh, and, uh, basically Michael throws Jamie off the thing as the, as the town of Haddonfield gets nuked. Because <laughs> they basically lost it because of this cult and the National Guard can't get in, so they nuke Haddonfield. I was ending this bitch, Gabe. I was putting this thing to an end because six was so bad. You were pulling a um, Return of the Living Dead ending. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, just like, Fire the nuke. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, 
obviously, like I said, I had a lot of other side characters. Like Tina's dad was part of the mob. Uh, the Carruthers also get murdered because they there was no resolution for that um, for that Rachel character. Like she was just dead and nobody like no reaction at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I also kind of had somewhat of like a Home Alone thing where I was going to have Loomis booby trap the building for Michael, the hospital, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. But um, yeah, so ultimately Tommy Doyle would kind of turn on everybody and be kind of the reason or part of the reason why Michael escaped and continues to bring havoc to Haddonfield until they nuke that bitch to the floor. So a lot of similarities here. Uh, like I said, the thing, the, the line that I'm like, okay, this is a very similar, but at the end uh, of the new movie, basically Laurie was like, well, the, the Michael Myers is, or this is the curse of Michael Myers, kind of the panic and paranoia that it brought to this town. Uh, and I'm like, fuck, that's literally the same thing that I was basing my story off of. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a, a quick rundown of it. I had a little bit more here, but I'm just gonna leave it, leave it, leave it to the ether on that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's kind of funny that you and the writers came up with sort of the same movie. <laughs> yeah, but I have gripes with the execution at the end of the day. Yeah, it's weird, but whatever we'll, we'll we'll leave it be yeah but, uh, for sure can we talk about the bats now yes we can all right so we got the first trailer for uh robert pattinson's batman uh they brought back the og batmobile yeah um absolutely in love with it especially against this like i want to say it's like an almost like an orangey filter in um at least in this trailer yeah, a little bit yeah crazy a little, a little orangey a little green too there's some green in there yeah. whoa geez. so thoughts so um you know uh i think when we had that kind of that first initial teaser for robert Pattinson's bats you know i think uh i got very excited for it um i like the fact that they're not really giving us a hold of a lot of the riddler in this particular trailer uh they gave us a little bit more of um penguin and catwoman uh, apparently they're supposed to be quite the large rogues gallery into this film like not necessarily like actively fighting bats but kind of a lot of introduction to these characters Mm -hmm. um so this like i said this one kind of focused on penguin and catwoman um it looks good man um i'm excited for it uh like i said i'm looking forward to kind of the riddler aspect of it all i think paul dano is going to do a great job uh i was kind of sold on that um yeah man uh just one of the, the very cool things that came out of the dc fandom thing um I have problems with the kind of how the whole the whole thing was handled because it was like three and a half hours long and really only three things worth noting <laughs> came out of it. So, yeah, um, so, you know, whatever. But this was the big thing that I think everybody was kind of looking for. And uh, I kind of like this nihilist version of Batman that they're kind of rolling with. And uh, I'm sold, man. I'm going to check it out. It's coming out in March. I think it's going to be good. What did you think? I'm excited. You know, I I feel like the bar for both Bats and Joker are really, really high. I think Pattinson's going to do a really quality job. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, say what you want about his work, but I feel like this is probably one of, if not the most serious role he's taken on. And I think he's going to try really hard to break out of sort of the meme culture Mm -hmm. of Twilight films. Yep. And that's why I'm like putting quite quite a bit of stock into Pattinson on this film. You know what I mean? Okay. Patterson, Pattinson, Pattinson. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's sort of my mentality going in. Okay. Like if I was him, 
that's exactly what I do. I would prove that, hey, I am not. I am better than that. <laughs> you know, this is not a lava girl anymore. Like, I can get the, quality work. Was, I know it's not him. I yeah, that's the other one. But I don't know. You know, we might be delightfully surprised. He might match up to Bale's performance. It, it, you know, at the end of the day, Early. it boils down to yeah. the writing, the story. Mm-hmm. He could be as quality of an actor as we want, but if the writing is dog shit, then, you know, uh, we're going to have gripes. I, I, what I'm kind of excited for is because obviously in the Nolan Batman movies, like they, they did Gotham in a very like kind of a realistic kind of environment. Uh, yeah. and we have yet to see like a great, um, cartoony. Yeah, cartoony, more traditional looking Gotham. And I think that this movie might be getting there. I think we could hit like a really nice compromise if we mm-hmm. did like, um, like a Batman beyond Gotham, like still, extravagant mm-hmm. and sort of exaggerated in nature, but mm-hmm. still grounded in a lot of like realism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Cause you, you can't have a cartoony background and try and have a serious yeah. foreground. You know what I mean? Correct. Like, yeah. You, you got There's gotta be balance here. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, yeah. I agree. Like I said, one of the many things that came out of the DC fandom, the other thing is the flash, uh, <clears throat> the flash trailer, little mini snippet thing dropped. It was like a minute and a half long. Uh, apparently Michael Keaton, Batman is back in that. So that's kind of cool. Uh, and the Black Adam trailer also dropped, uh, featuring The Rock, and holy shit, he looks fantastic. So, um, he you know, does. yeah, he always does. So, and apparently, I didn't know he, I didn't know he was like an executive, executive producing Black Adam. I did not know that. Huh. Well, that's good he, to know. I mean, I'm sure he's been on a lot of film sets and it, sort of knows what he's doing. Absolutely. So, um, you know, uh, you know, pretty excited for that. Um, but I, I was, I was talking, I'm I swear to God, I'm gonna make this brief. But I was talking to Scott about it in the chat, and because um, they have obviously they announced a whole bunch of TV shows and stuff that they're going to be pumping out, and I don't understand why, for the life of me, they cannot get these TV shows things right, uh, because all their shit comes off as like horrible CW shows, you know, and I don't understand how they can look at Loki or WandaVision. And say, oh yeah, this is on the same level. It's not, dude. It's no, just, it's I mean, just not. to be fair, those CW shows have been around for quite a bit now. Yeah. Um, but it, at the end of the day, you have audiences captivated for longer with, uh, you know, a couple seasons of a show. Yeah. And it's that returning of the watching and the subscriptions they sell, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you might sell one movie ticket or three movie tickets to the same person, depending on how hardcore of a, you know, go where they are. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of the things from a financial standpoint. I understand it. Do I like it? No. But yep. it makes you feel any better with the writer strike that's about to happen. We're not going to get any more CW shows for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my deal on that. Uh, but, yeah, the Batman trailer itself looks really, really cool. I like how they're calling it The Batman to distinguish. That's what they should have done with Halloween, bro. They should have called it The Halloween. Anyways. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the deal. We're, we're going to make a, a parody of Halloween, and we're going to – Call it just another Halloween in Illinois. Yeah, right. And nobody gets killed until the very end. Everybody gets killed. Absolutely. For sure. I agree. I like it. Gotcha. I just slapped this one on here. What is movie you always cry at? Movie I always cry at. Okay. I'm actually have to think about this. It could be happy cry. It could be sad cry. Whatever you're feeling. So I put this on here because uh, we just recently rewatched Iron Giant because I love Mm -hmm. that movie. I think it's like the perfect fall movie. Mm -hmm. You know, when it just starts to get a little like chill and crispy out. Mm -hmm. Dude. Just the ending always fucks me up. Mm-hmm. Like, I go, you stay, which is the first thing, you know. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just such a good movie. Brad Bird just did such a killer job. Mm-hmm. 
the giant is killer and dean is one of the coolest animated characters on the period <laughs> you know what i mean like say what you want about him say say whatever you want but he is cool as ice okay fair enough but, yeah, I threw that one on there because it's just, I don't know, childhood favorite. Maybe I'm a bit biased here, but it's just a really good anti-war movie and just, I don't know, it does a lot of things. For sure. Uh, the, the first one that came to mind after you after we you started to talk about it was um, Inside Out, the imaginary friend scene. Yeah. That gets me every fucking time. I don't know what it is about it, but it fucking gets to me every time, dude. Every you are heartless time. if you don't cry at the end yeah, of that. that. Yeah, that movie and that particular scene, I was just like, wow. It, it was like really, know, really sad. Coco's one thing. Mm-hmm. Inside Out, though? Woo, whole nother level. Yeah, I, See, I'm, I feel like I'm the only person who fucking thinks that in my household. Like, all my siblings think Coco's better, and Coco's great, dude. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I didn't fall my eyes out at the end of Coco, though. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong, it's great, but... Um, yeah, that that those scenes in Inside Out, man, really, really, really speak to me now. So, yeah, yeah, it's very, very cool. Cool beans. Let's jump into gaming. So, you got a chance to play the Halo Infinite beta? Yeah, and some in a weird turn of events, somehow, some way, I got in. <laughs> I, I didn't though, right? Yeah, it's weird. That's what I'm saying. So, uh, Halo Infinite. Um, I played a couple of games of it. My PC was giving me a kind of a hard time with it, uh, but what I could play uh, is. Because I'm, you know, obviously I'm a fucking Halo expert now. I've played like ten games total. Uh, played ten hours total, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, um, you know, uh, not super um, in love with the franchise as a whole, just because I didn't have that kind of uh, growing up attachment to it. Yeah. Um, so I played this game. Uh, I will say, if, if I think they're trying to, um, what's the word? I think they're going to try to um, make this as appealing to kind of the general audience as possible. I think it felt kind of Call of Duty to me. Now, I know people are going to get upset that I said that. Uh, but I think with kind of that weird specialist thing they got going on with it and kind of the, the speed of the gameplay in general, uh, I just think it's kind of Call of Duty-ish to me. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, that that style of gameplay obviously has done well. Uh, but I think I think you guys might have mentioned it to me too that I think uh, – Three four three. It was a slowdown from Halo Five, I believe. Yeah, well, that and I, I think three four three needs this to be a hit. Like they, like they need it to be a hit because I think the last couple haven't been particularly received very well. And I know that you mentioned that there's kind of the cyclical nature (laughs) with uh, with Halo fans that they're miserable. uh, Yeah, when a new game comes out, they're miserable. The game before. The game that came out before it, they're like, oh, maybe this wasn't so bad. And then the game two games before the new one, they're like, this is an instant classic. Yeah. So it, it's just, you know what I mean? It's one mm-hmm. of those things. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's kind of like, uh, and you phase, you phase that went this way. It was one time. Nobody hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans. Uh, yeah. it's kind of, I think it's kind of similar in that vein. Uh, I, like I said, I played it for a couple hours. Um, it was fine. I, I had fun with it. I just had PC problems with it. But overall, like I said, it was much, much, a fa- much faster game than I think that Halo has been up to this point. Uh, I think they're kind of going for that more of that Twitch shooter kind of vibe. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, but what I do appreciate about this is, the thing about Halo that's always kind of turned me off is kind of the environment that the game is like the, all the multiplayer maps are kind of set in and it's kind of like this, you know, space station looking kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. this one, like environmentally wise, like I actually felt like it was more grounded and like it felt like actual places were might that might actually exist somewhere on a faraway planet, you know? Yeah. So yeah. My thing with Halo is that they, they are definitely classic games in my opinion, mm-hmm. but it, 
suffers a, a really big curse and that those games were made and developed to not only perform but to exceed on the Xbox platform. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So you have all sorts of things from auto assist to sort of building these grandeur-esque levels to make mm-hmm. the world feel massive and open. Mm-hmm. And when we got into sort of the new standard of gaming, like when, shit, I don't know, maybe like Black Ops 2, honestly, mm-hmm. like around that era, people were just like, Halo is slow. Slow. And, you know, <laughs> I, lo- I love Halo. I have all of them on, you know, well, the first four on xbox xbox 360 you name it right mm-hmm. but there's just some of them i cannot go back and replay multiplayer story is one thing i feel like if you like a good story you should definitely go play the halo story the multiplayer or i'm sorry the campaign mm-hmm. but the multiplayer drags ass so mm-hmm. bad mm-hmm. like literally when we play the only thing i queue up is four i don't yeah. i can't even play reach i'm with you on that yeah so i think speeding it up might be a good thing and as much of a diss as it sounds like oh it needs to feel more like call of duty <laughs> yeah i think it might do it some some sort of good i feel like the grappling hook's going to be a really good you mm-hmm. know sort of movement here mm-hmm. and um you know our attention spans weren't what they used to be 20 years ago like people want to get in people want to get out for sure yeah uh because that, that that was my biggest complaint because like when i started because i when i bought the master chief collection i started playing with you guys like we i think we queued up three i'm like this is fucking slow dude like i can't like you know what i mean it's just felt, yeah. i feel like molasses and there's uh, no solid way of traversing the map horizontally without a vehicle yeah and it's um it wasn't something that I was feeling, and then basically Greg's like, "Well, try let's try four. It's much faster." And I'm like, "This is much better. I can work with this." So, yeah, um, yeah. I guess we'll see. Because uh, obviously the multiplayer is going to be free. Hopefully, it's a little, a little better optimized because so I could play it. Um, yeah. Because like I said, I had some problems. So um, yeah, definitely worth checking out uh, when it comes out. So obviously, I don't think I'm breaking any ground on that. So. <laughs> Uh, let's let's get into this next one. Do you know anything about Choo Choo Charles? I have no idea what the hell this is. Okay, so I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe it originally started as a Resident Evil mod for, oh god, what was it, 4 that had the train? Um, One of the Resident Evils, it was a mod, and it was a giant evil-looking Thomas the Tank Engine with spider legs that would just chase you. Um, It is getting its own game now. The developer is like 20 years old. Um, do you want me to read you the snippet? Sure. So, okay, the Steam description is, Navigate an island in an old train, upgrade it over time, and use it to fight an evil spider train named Charles, who terrorizes your home. Charles is hungry. Don't be his next meal. <laughs> Dropping Q1 2022. Huh. And this looks like the perfect blend of, like, play it for the meme, yeah. but will also scare the <laughs> shit out of you. Right, it does. I because agree. I, I saw a couple of trailers for this thing. You're you're on a train. It has like a machine gun on it. You can upgrade its armor. Blah blah blah. There's like a whole like overworld to traverse, right? Mm-hmm. And then just like you see those spider legs like pop up, and you're like, holy shit! Yeah, you know what I mean, it's... you're like, oh haha, spider train, so funny. But then like you see it you're in the game, and you're fighting it up. You're like, oh my god, this is not funny. <laughs> abort, abort, abort. Yeah, this stop being fight all that for real quick. Hold on. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm actually really excited for this game. If I'm being honest with you, uh, I'm gonna need somebody to record your reaction to when that thing first attacks you. Yeah, maybe I'll live stream it. <laughs> there you go. Will, um, it, it just seems like, like I said, it, it's kind of that perfect blend for me, man. 
And these like train tracks that your train travels on, they like wind around these paths, and there's there's just a bunch of blind spots. You know, like you can see, mm-hmm. you can see. You're like, yeah, he's gonna pop up here, <laughs> but then you forget by the time you play. <laughs> so I'm excited. I don't know. I like I said, it, it's just that sort of Venn diagram where it's like perfectly <laughs> seated in the middle of like this game is a total joke. Why am I playing it? Too this game is terrifying. Why am I playing it? <laughs> Well, I, I'm big excited. But, but Hopefully, like January, February. But one thing's for sure: you will continue to play it. <laughs> yeah, right. It's one of those things. Like, man, it's like I had a late day at work. It's already midnight. I shouldn't be playing this. And it's like, but I'm still playing it. <laughs> for show, for show. Yeah, that's stuff. Uh, that sounds like fun. Definitely, let me know if you live stream that. I'm interested. Let's get into music news and reviews because we've got uh, a couple of things to cover. For so sure. you went to a Slipknot concert for your birthday? I did. How uh, so? They're a little indie band out of Iowa. Mm-hmm. So Any, anything you would call a hit? Uh, yeah. So um, yeah. First first concert back uh, post pandemic, or I guess during pandemic. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, uh, they had this tour that they dro- that they're that they're doing. They're currently on it, I believe. Um, obviously, Slipknot being the headliner, but also featuring Killswitch Engage, Fever Three Three Three. And, uh, code orange, um, just kind of, kind of quickly gu- guide you guys through my experience. Code orange was great. Uh, they did have some technical issues with vocals. Um, main vocalist did not have his vocals for like the first three songs. So that's a problem. Uh, but they sounded great. My first time actually seeing, seeing code orange. Uh, yeah, live and yeah, they, they sounded great musically. It it was really good, really loud. They have that kind of that weird kind of disturbing stutter step thing going. And I love that. Yeah, they were great. They sounded great. Uh, I'm looking forward to maybe seeing them in a smaller venue next time. So definitely check it out. Next up, Fever333. Uh, they didn't have their guitar player. Uh, Um, oh boy from the chariot. Yeah, he was apparently he had to, he got called home, family emergency, and they were like, well, should we cancel or should we just try to do me and you? Because there's only three guys in the band. They did it just vocalist and drummer, and they did not miss a beat. Um, wow, that's y- impressive. Yeah, uh, and they they killed it, man. They they sounded great. Uh, I stand by the fact, and I continue to stand by the fact that Jason Butler is one of the best front men in all of uh, the music scene. Um, and I think you know I, our, our opinions on Fever Three 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 over time has kind of uh, dimin- dwindled. yeah dwindled in like excitement for them. But man, do they put on a great show, man. Um, yeah. I, I love it. Uh, the crowd was eaten to the palm of their hands. It, it was a good time. So also my first time seeing them, I think. So good show. 100%. Uh, next up was Kill Switch Engage. Now, admittedly, uh, I did try to get a t-shirt during this time and the line was not moving. Uh, so I missed, I want to say probably about half their set, but I did get to see the songs that I wanted to see from them. Uh, and it sounded good, man. Um, Obviously, Kill Switch Engage is more like dad metal, quote unquote, uh, nowadays. Um, but yeah, they sounded good. And there's a reason why they're still doing it is because they're good at what they do. Adam D can shred still and it's good stuff. Um, and last but not least, obviously, Slipknot. Um, and it's funny because, you know, you and I have been to many a uh, smaller show in our lifetime, right? Uh, much smaller venue, much smaller productions. Um, after watching this, you know why Slipknot has been doing it as long as they have is because they just bring a kind of a different, higher level of professionalism to their set. Um, I love their, the, the songs that they picked. Um, they sounded fantastic. Um, Corey's new mask is fucking terrifying and it's not the milk jug. It's they, like he debuted a new one 
and it's terrifying and they sounded great and headbanging and great times. So overall, I had a fantastic time. Like I said, it is my first show back. And uh yeah, it was a good one. I'm glad I went. Awesome sauce. Glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Glad to hear that the uh the old the OGs still uh still got it. Yeah, they still got it absolutely. So definitely, definitely if they're coming into a town near you and you haven't seen them yet, definitely check them out. Awesome sauce. Let's get into uh some local favorites. The Devil Wears Prada released a new single called Sacrifice. Uh sort of out of the blue because it's only been a few months since Zombies 2. Mm-hmm. Um So you wanna start or should I start? You can start. It is absolutely brilliant. I mm-hmm. love everything about it. It is mm-hmm. leaning into the rock, heavy rock genre, but there's nothing weak sauce about this. Mm-hmm. I feel like they really bring that signature TDWP flavor. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this isn't uh, Roots. Obviously, this isn't Plagues. Mm-hmm. This is a very modern, sophisticated take, and mm-hmm. I feel like we have to high-key emphasize that every time we do a mm-hmm. new every review time. of like, their new stuff <laughs> um, because you know people fell in love with them for that sort of uh riffy myspace score mm-hmm. synth vibe breakdown fine you still have every right to enjoy that music but the fact of the matter is they're not 18 anymore mm-hmm. you know these dudes have families these dudes have side businesses some of mm-hmm. them like they are grown-ass adults mm-hmm. and the fact that they can still bring the heat the fact that they can still innovate not only upon the industry sound but upon their own sound I'm a huge proponent. I, you know, I know my my review for Z2 was kind of mixed, mm-hmm. but the, to the stuff they're just bringing forward now, it's like insanity. Like the fact that you told, if you would have told me ten years ago that Zombies 2 is coming out, and then what three months later we get another single, mm-hmm. I would been like, you're crazy, dude. Mm-hmm. Like they need to let like Will Putney like get sleep. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> they need to like heal the calluses on their fingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mike needs to fucking like regenerate those vocal cords. But yeah. No. These dudes are some of the hardest pe- working people in this fucking industry. You know, they'll go years sometimes without a peep on any form of social media aside mm-hmm. from the occasional shirt. But when they come back, the world is paying attention. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I basically completely agree on everything you said here, man. Like, it, it is just so much more mature than anything they've done. And like you said, if we, I feel like we have to preface that every single time that they drop something. But that is constantly evolving and um, – I feel like as time has gone on, they have like honed in on a sound that nobody else is doing, right? I think, uh, it was very, when they came out, it was very initial, like you said, kind of MySpace core, mid 2000s kind of a sound that everybody else is doing. But as they've progressed through albums, they have further gotten away from that and just kind of do something that is signature to them. I uh, feel like if this single were to come out 15 years ago, there would be a huge divide. You'd either be a Killswitch Engage fan or you'd be a Devil Wears Prada fan. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. And, and you know, that that's sort of a testament to, and I'm not saying they're knocking off, you know, Killswitch Engage, but mm-hmm. that's just a testament to, to sort of their creativity, their constant improvement, man. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, the, I, I think it's a banger. I love the art, the artwork, the, the album art for it was, was pretty cool too. I, I like Super it. Super simple, man. Yeah. I love it. I'm really excited for whatever they're doing next. You know, like you said, every single time TDWP does something, this podcast pays attention. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited, man. It's, it's all good stuff. So definitely check it yeah. out if you have not. I just, you know, you think, some people out there, I'm not going to mention names, but some people out there really doesn't don't give this fucking band credit mm-hmm. because, sure, if you observe them from the lens of 2008, you would have thought that <laughs> after the buzz is over, they would have been gone. But no, 
they are still at the forefront and just you call, know, I'm just, not gonna just call them out, Gabe. We we are <laughs> we already know we already know who it is. Call them out, shit. Fuck. You know, and, and I'm not gonna say that. Um, <laughs> shit, you made me lose my train of thought. I'm Sorry. not gonna put them on the level that like Sempaternal or like Doomsday mm-hmm. reinvented the entire standard mm-hmm. for the genre. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Devil Wears Prada gets up to that bar in a different gym mm-hmm. every single time. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't make sense, then I'm a lot of fucking metaphors the, for you. But the, there is nobody more consistent than them. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Mm-hmm. So they may not have the biggest muscles out of the fucking weightlifters, but you know what? When you put them on like a, uh, like a fucking wipeout or mm-hmm. like uh, the challenge reality TV show, mm-hmm. they're the ones that are going to put out every single challenge. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. So good stuff. Definitely Let's che- get into another definitely check band. it out. So Ice Nine Kills dropped their uh, their sequel uh, to uh, I guess honestly their the most popular album that they've done, which is the the original Silver Scream. Uh, this one's called. Yeah, what- you mean not not the not the Golden Screen, not the Silver Screen like Deluxe Edition, not the <laughs> the just the regular one, right? Yeah, just the regular one. Uh, this one's called Welcome to Horror Horrorwood: The Silver Scream Two. Now. I could do without the Silver Scream Part 2, but I know why they did it. Obviously, they're trying to cash in on some of that. Um, that hype that still is residual from the original Silver Scream. So, um, whatever. I think they could have just called it Welcome to Horrorwood and it had been just as good. But um, I have a little bit of a hot take. Now, you and I have kind of – I don't want to say given them shit. Um, <laughs> no, we've, we've given them Yeah, we, we've given them shit about the, the gimmick, right, and about the kind of – Lack of creativity that uh, they kind of have nowadays because uh, it's very easy to do. Uh, you know, from the, the the gimmick standpoint, it's very easy just to create good songs, well crafted songs, because all the songs are right. Uh, but to kind of throw the theme in after the fact and you know tie it all in, all that good stuff. Now, uh, with that being said, I will say that this album does not have as many god tier songs that the last one had, right? Uh, the last one had Stabbing in the Dark, uh, American Nightmare, Thank God It's Friday, stuff like that. Stuff that's like way, way higher level than the rest of the album, right? Uh, they don't have as many of those. But what I will say, from a consistency standpoint, from uh, a standpoint where the album being balanced, this album is completely balanced all the way through, right? Um, there are no A-plus songs on this album. I, I wouldn't even say they're – okay. There's no A A songs at all on this album. But I will say that this album is consistently a B throughout. And that's not a bad thing, right? So um, I listened to it a couple of times, and I did like it. There was some moments that I'm like, wow, that was pretty cool. Now, do I think the next album needs to be not this? Does, do I think they need to kind of ditch the theme and the gimmick? Absolutely. Uh, but I think musically, um, we are not, we have never once called them untalented because they are. Uh, but I would say that this is a, a pretty decent album from them. Um, I like it. Um, is, is it going to be fucking stabbing in the dark or the American nightmare for me where I play it often? No. Um, but uh, I definitely think that, um, that they did a pretty good job with it. So. 
We'll see. We'll see what happens next. Uh, they've done two of these and still no Omen song. So I'm sure that's coming in the deluxe edition. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, the silver screen. Welcome to Horrorwood mega gold edition deluxe with what's his face dressed up as Ghostface. I don't know. Uh, but I'm surprised they didn't go for the, you know, uh, welcome to Horrorwood, uh, silver scream kills or some shit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I liked it. Um, but it's definitely not the higher end of the Silver Scream song. So, uh, Little Birdie actually told me that, uh, for Ice Nine Kills' 10th album release, they're gonna do horror in space. <laughs> so what? Jason X and Alien? Alien. And. <laughs> I guess the thing is technically out of space. The thing, the thing is from outer space, but it takes place in like Alaska or Antarctica yeah, or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think they Pre- got a little bit of wiggle room. Pre- Predator, Predator. Pre- yeah, that's that's fair game. The uh, color out of space. Anything Lovecraftian, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this this is what a Ice Nine Kills like album writing meeting looks like. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, um, whatever. You know, like I said, it's not a bad album. I'm not going to say that. It, it's fine. It's pretty good. Um, but it's not going to be... For me, it's not fucking... Uh, you know, It's not breaking any new ground. Yeah, not for me. So, But I'm sure they're going to sell a bazillion copies, and I'm sure that the, the, the crazy fan girls are going to love it. So, yeah. Yeah, talking about uh, not a bad album, let's get a knock loose. It's here in the fabric of life. The EP... <laughs> Um, first of all, out of the kind of out of the blue, right? Yeah, for sure. Because um, I didn't see anything about this. Some might say a different kind of blue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was the review. That was one twenty four. Um, your dad powers grow stronger by every, every day. 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 Every day they get stronger. Every day. Um, you want to talk about a band that pushes the envelope? You want to talk a band that is consistent? You want to talk about a band that started out as nothing and or you know, fucking. Rockstars now. Mm-hmm. Knocked Loose is the primetime example. Um, now, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people saying they reinvented hardcore. They <laughs> revitalized hardcore. Uh, that, Maybe, I give, sure. I give them that. I give them that one. They revitalized sure. it for sure. Maybe both to some extent. You know what I mean? But do you want a no compromise, no fuss album? Do you want just sheer violence? Do you want a, a like a really, really good conceptual EP? Do you want to just, I don't know, go to Home Depot and re-drywall your entire house? Call, after... eight, call 1-800-OxyClean. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, there's more. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's very little we can say about this band and this work that we haven't said about them already. Mm-hmm. Knocked Loose puts their whole fucking pussy into their music. There's just, there's no way around it. Like, you know, you, you can spin it any way you want. At the end of the day, they put out something killer. They put out something magnificent. I'm just, you know what? Like, I, we're not professional mu- music reviewers. We're two dudes in separate rooms now. You know, like, that's how far we've come. That it, it's like an A minus, dude. It's contender for my EP of the year. Okay. I'm going to just leave it at that. Like, no amount of words I can say will do justice to what this piece of art actually does. Okay. Go listen to it. Go listen to it when you're bored. Go listen to it when you're not bored. Go listen to it when you're having a good day. And especially go listen to it when you're having a bad day. Okay. okay. Do you got any thoughts on it? Uh, I actually haven't listened to it all the way through. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, now, I will say that they are tremendously consistent. Uh, and like I said, I, I do agree with the 
the revitalizing of the, the genre. Uh, I think they're definitely uh, one of two heads that do that. I think the other head does more when it comes to pushing the genre forward. But um, you think in Code Orange? Yes, that is the one I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, now like, we've mentioned this before. Like in a sense, this is a house divided because Dave Gabe is in the more of the knock loose camp, and I am more of the Code Orange camp. Uh, but I think we could have both agree that they are vital <laughs> to yeah. to the genre. Um, I, from what what I have heard, I've heard I think maybe one or two songs, uh, and I do like it. Uh, and I think it's very very good. It's, and I think I love how they're actually getting more polished as time goes on. Um, but some people might say that's a bad thing for the genre, but, um, cause it kind of, the genre itself kind of lends itself to more of this homegrown kind of sound. Um, but, uh, I have liked what I've heard. Uh, I think it's exceptionally violent in a good way. And, um, yeah, I like it so far. If chaos had a soundtrack, code orange knocked loose would be on there. I agree. First two picks. Mm-hmm. I so, agree. For yeah. sure. Uh, we have. T minus five days until the new Every Time I Die release. So yeah, well, I was to say, man, what happened? They they kept kind of got radio silence on us. What the hell? They they're not dropping anything, dude. You mm-hmm. know, Planet Shit. We we heard like a year ago. Like this album's been done. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, I I mean, you know, I'm not gonna say the hype is still there, but the hype is definitely still there mm-hmm. because you know how I feel about them. But mm-hmm. well, you know, 16 songs. Um, they're doing a couple interviews here and there, but. You know damn well Friday, uh, it's going to be every time I die day. It's going to be a national holiday. They're going to give us off from work. I'm going to take a month-long sabbatical, and I'm going to go cut down a forest with my bare hands and pull <laughs> Bruce Lee on this bitch. Mo- mo- um, I'm excited. Month-long bender, sabbatical, bender. Yeah, <laughs> month-long bender in Buffalo <laughs> after the release. Yeah, but for sure. big excited for that. I, like I said, dude, like three of these um, – some of them weren't even singles that were released, but like three of the songs off the new album I've heard live, and one of it's them so goes funny. all the way back to the boat show two years ago. You that, know what I mean? That is so like, funny. This to album me. has been done. Yeah, it's been. This is like the ultimate. This is the baby that has been in there for eleven months, and you're like, you need to fucking go. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for for the longest time, uh, they would tweet something, and literally the top comment reply would be. Where the fuck is it? <laughs> With like more likes than the original tweet. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think they're ready to get this thing out and I think the world is ready to get it out. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So I will have a very deep review of that. I, I know. I already know it's going to be 30 minutes of fucking waffle analogies. I already know it. Waffle analogies? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've graduated from waffles. <laughs> we eat the whole potato now. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, so yeah, man, I believe that was episode 174. 174. Oh, the Second City Kids podcast. We will see you next time for episode 175. 175. And, uh, yeah, we've had a good time. Thank you guys for joining us this week on the Second City Kids podcast. Do not forget to follow Gabe's, uh, YouTube channel photos by, by Jabril, right? Yeah. Photos by Jabril. Also, don't forget to check out YouTube, Brilliant Villain. All the whole ordeal. I'll be doing uh, some more No Man's Sky, and I'm trying to see what else I'm going to play. I think I might get uh, Metroid Dreaded and put that up there on as well because I know Scott loved it, and it looks a lot of fun. So uh, definitely check that out. We will see you guys next time, and until then, deuces. 